So let's jump into the word. Today, as I said, we're going to talk about the most vilified disciple, at least in my opinion. We're going to be looking at the book of John, chapter 20, starting at verse 24 through 29. We use chapters and verses uh, to help us know where we're going in, in Scripture, even though the original letters and books weren't written in chapter and verse form. They were added in the 12th and 16th centuries to help us get around because their smartphones didn't work yet. So... um. The reference points are incredibly helpful for that reason. So if you find yourself there, it'll be on the screen behind me as well. John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said said to them, Unless I see in his hands marks of nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have seen, who have not seen and yet have believed. This is God's word to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us today to be people who believe. Amen. So John describes Thomas with a couple different descriptions. He he describes him as one of the twelve which is referring to Thomas being one of the 12 apostles. An apostle is someone who sent out. And Jesus sent out his apostles to go and take the message that he, uh, uh, to, to go and make disciples of the nations. He hasn't actually done that, done that yet. But he, he spent these three years with them, training them, teaching them, equipping them for the work of ministry, teaching them how to cast out demons, teaching them about the kingdom of heaven, teaching them how to lay hands and to heal, mostly just teaching them to believe. To believe in God the Father, and to, who is the one who sent Jesus. And to believe in Jesus, that he is who he says he is, and he'd do what he said he would do. So he's called one of the twelve. He's also called the twin. And what's funny about this title, the twin, is that we don't actually know who his other twin was. There's some speculation that they make, but he's being called the twin, but he, there's not somebody else also called the twin, which I think is just a funny nickname, right? To be called a twin, but to not know who that is. I'm a, in, in a whole group of people, my, my nickname is Herms. To some people, I'm Uncle Herms. I was on a missions trip to, to Mexico. It was the, it was the Baja trip that were, the youth are going on this year. And uh, I was on the back of the bus, and they were doing roll call. And the guy who was leading the trip got on the bus. He had never met me before. He had just seen my name written, so he thought it was pronounced Herms. He gets on the, you know, he's just doing a normal roll call. And then he got to me, and he got excited for whatever reason. And he's like, are you on the bus, David Herms? And he's like, are you ready to take the gospel to Mexico, David Herms? And I was like, I can't correct him now. It's Hermes. He's like, what do you do? I was like, he's my leader. I'm getting behind him. I stood up. I was like, yeah, let's go. And so everybody on the trip thought my name was Herms. And so the 53 people on my bus and then, you know, it's just kind of the other bus. So I was Herms. And, and so it's stuck. And, and, you know, I'm not mad. But it's not my name. 
You know, call it a nickname, call it a label, call it, call it whatever you want to call it, but whatever it is, we're often, we're often labeled correctly and incorrectly by people, aren't we? I'm not Herms. I'm Hermes. That doesn't affect me or hurt my self-esteem. But there are labels and nicknames and things that, that do wound, that do cut, that, that are damaging. Some are accurate, some are inaccurate, some stick forever, even though the information is no longer accurate. You ever met somebody who used to be real thick and they had a nickname for the guy who was thick, but he lost some weight, but they still call him by his thick name? You know what I mean? We've got another name for Thomas, don't we? What's Thomas's name? Doubting Thomas. I have one Big question today. I have just, just one question that we're going to wrestle with. And that we're going to wrestle with and we're going to answer. And it's just this. Why do we still call him Doubting Thomas? Why is he Doubting Thomas? He clearly came to a point of belief and it only took him eight days. But for the last couple thousand years, we call him Doubting Thomas. We're going to look at the passage and we're going to look at his faith journey with an emphasis on what it means to believe and an emphasis on what it means to, to allow our belief to define us, our faith to define us. So his friends had this experience with Jesus. Let, let me talk about uh, real quick what their life was like. So they all had normal jobs. And Jesus said, hey, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Hey, come with me. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to train you. Hey, this new kingdom's coming. The kingdom is at hand. I want you to be a part of it. I want you to be my disciples. I want you to follow me. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to train you. I'm going to guide you. And they're like, this is great. I'm going to be with this guy. We're going to overthrow Rome. We're going to be leaders. We're going to be in his court. We're going to be important people. We're going to be in his cabinet. This is a good, this is a good deal. You know, and, and Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, come on. And then Jesus is like, I'm going, to, I'm going to get killed. And it's going to be awful, but I'm going to come back to life. And they're like, yeah, 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 that's great. And then we're going to take over Rome. I got it. We're, going to, we're all taking over Rome together, and we're going to rule, and we're going to take over. And it's going to be great. And then Jesus dies, and they were devastated. Because their leader, this man who, they, who was teaching them how to live and how to walk and how to, how to behave and, and showing them spiritual reality that they had been blind to their whole life. He was, he was exposing them to all of this and then, and then he's gone. And they didn't understand what he had said when he said it. You ever not understand what somebody says? You know, like the doctor's like, this is going to hurt a little bit. You're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then you're like, ow! That hurt a little bit. And he's like, I told you I was going to do it told you I was going to do it. Or like pregnancy and newborns, right? You're like, hey, you're going to have this baby. I know you really want to see it right now. But, uh, but when it comes, you're not going to be able to sleep. And it's going to be awful. Wonderful, a wonderful kind of awful. But you're not going to be able to sleep. And it's going to be real tense between you and your wife. And it's going to be a challenge because you're not sleeping. And you're not going to remember your conversations. And you're, you're going to be forgetting words in your sentences. And it's, it's just going to be tense. Um, but it's going to be amazing, right? Any parents can identify with that a little bit? Um, there we go. Thank you, Terry. Right? So, so it, but it's hard. And, um, you know, you believe it. But then when you get there, you're like, oh, that's what they were talking about. Anyway, 
So that's what it was like. They didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. They heard him saying it, but they didn't understand its implications. They didn't understand what he was really, what it was really going to be like. And his friends, so Jesus raises from the dead and he shows up to this group of disciples that were locked up in this room. Thomas was not among them. So these people had an incredible encounter with Jesus. They're like, oh my gosh, he came back to life. It's real. He really did it. He said he was going to do this and he did it. And here he is. And Wow, now we're going to take over Rome. <laughs> so he rose from the dead. And, and so the, the disciples that were there to hear, to see Jesus and to hear him, to see his hands, they go and they tell Thomas. Thomas is with them now. And they're like, Thomas, Jesus is here. And he's like, No. I'll never believe unless I can get this kind of information. Unless I can put my hands on it. Unless I can put my hand in his side. Unless I can really confirm this for myself, I won't be able to believe. And in that way, he's a lot like all of us. Some of you this morning need something more. You're here this morning hoping for just a seed of something that could grow into full-blown faith. Or you've got a seed and you're just trying to get it watered and you're just trying to get some sun on it. You're just trying to get some information and some perspective to help your faith grow because you hope that it's true. But you're scared that it isn't. You know, you put yourself in Thomas's shoes. My guess is that he wanted to believe so badly, he couldn't, but he couldn't stand to be more disappointed and heartbroken than he already was. What if Jesus doesn't come through? What if he didn't come through? Sometimes it's easier to not believe than to believe, isn't it? The life of faith is not the easier life. The life of faith requires us to sometimes not look at all the information that is screaming at us and to believe something greater and on the other side of all that information. Yeah, I know that it seems right for me to not forgive this person. But by faith, I'm called to forgive. And the, God, the promise of the gospel is that he's going to work all of this out. Yeah, I know that, you know, giving resources to people in need seems ridiculous when I have my own needs. But by faith, I'm going to step out and I'm going to give to people in need. You with me a little bit? He needed more. In his case, I think it was disappointment. Sometimes it's anger that keeps us away from God. Sometimes it's sorrow. Sometimes it's grief. Sometimes it's information. Most of the time it's pride. Whatever the reason is, the first step, wherever you find yourself, if you're mad at God, he's a big God and he could handle you telling him that you're mad at him. Sometimes when somebody says that they don't believe in God, the uh, great question to ask is, well, why don't you believe in God? And you'll find out the reason they don't believe in God is because God let them down. And there is a way to gently help somebody understand that maybe it's, that you don't, maybe it's not that you don't believe in God, but maybe if there is a God, you're mad at him. The only way to do that is to be in relationship with people. To say something like that. So, the, so he comes back and the disciples all had this experience. You know, I, I want to, the disciples told him. And they gave him the information. 
because they were excited about what Jesus has done in their life. And, and if you're at all excited about what Jesus has done in your life, or you're at all excited about what Jesus might do in your life, or could do in your life, or is doing in your life, go and tell someone who hasn't seen yet, who hasn't experienced yet. It doesn't mean that they're going to respond by going, well, give me Jesus. You probably didn't respond that way. But somehow we expect everybody else to respond that way. He needed something more. And eight days passed. And I think that during these eight days, he wrestled the whole time. They've seen him. I haven't seen him yet. They have an answer that satisfied their questions. I haven't received an answer that satisfied my questions. And then Jesus shows up in a locked room. Just. That's why he says, peace be with you. Because that would be terrifying. How terrified would you be if right now Jesus just, like right here. I'd be off the stage. Out the door, pushing you down. You could just, Right, how terrifying. They, they were locked in a room because they weren't, they weren't safe. Jesus died a criminal's death, and they were the ones closest to him. They were the ones that walked with him and helped them carry things on. They, they basically, they participated in, they, they were accomplices to this Jesus who was making these blasphemous statements talking about overthrowing governments and talking about all this stuff, they were with, they were the cat and you're in trouble when you've walked real close with a criminal for a little bit. So they were locked in and they were hiding and they were trying to protect themselves and they were, they were just, what do we do now? I don't know. He hasn't told us. They haven't received any instruction yet. So they're just kind of hanging out there trying to figure out what they're supposed to do, hoping that they don't get, you know, caught. And Jesus shows up in this locked room I think to let us know that Jesus will work through all the doors that we slam shut. It's an encouragement that he's, he's going to, he, he's not concerned with your locked door. He can just show up in the midst of it. You made a decision a long time ago, not to worship Jesus, not to trust Jesus. He can still show up in the middle of it. And that's an encouragement to me. And a lot of ways, this isn't a passage about Thomas at all. It's a passage about Jesus. It's about, it's about a God who, who is willing and able to break through the locked doors of, of intellect and to break through the locked doors of, of hurt hearts and, and anger and disappointment and sorrow. This is a passage about how Jesus doesn't stop. Jesus doesn't show up and then tease him or mock him tease him along like, oh, you, you need to see my hands, huh? You need more information. Doubting Thomas. He shows up in the room. Peace, don't worry. It's me. You figured they'd be a little bit used to that by now. You know, the walking on water thing. You know, I'm sure he did stuff all the time around the campfire that's not recorded in scripture because it wouldn't have been helpful for us. They're like, no, I'll leave that out. That'll confuse him.
I want to commend Thomas because he was in the right place with the right people for God to surprise him. He was in the right place with the right people. I was talking to a friend of mine, Dennis, and, uh, on Friday, and we were talking about this Christian life, and it's, it's like, what do you do in this Christian life? Well, you got to get with good people who love Jesus and who, have, who, who are a little bit ahead of you in their faith so that they can bring you along in your faith. you got to read your Bible and, and let it teach you what to do. You know, it's not this big dramatic thing like I was doing this and now I need to do this unless you're like selling crack and then stop selling crack. But it's not like all of a sudden I'm not, I, I was this and now I'm this. That's a transformation that happens on the inside and it will work its way out. God will direct you what you need to do. If you come to Christ in this church, I don't want you to start dressing like this because I don't really even want to dress like this. Right? But how silly would that be? I'm sorry. I got the look. I want to dress better than this. I want to... No, there's no saving it. You ever been to a church where everybody dresses the same and uses the same words all the time? I don't want to be that kind of church. Because, because ah, that's stressful. And everybody runs around doing the same thing and it was an accident. Like I heard about a group of people who go like this when they pray. Because their leader did that when they prayed and they were like, well, let's do this. Well, like I had a back problem. The guy had a back problem, so everybody's like imitating this guy's back problem <laughs> in their prayer, you know. And we add these really unspiritual things to a really spiritual act, and and it's just like, well, there we go. <laughs> Pastor Donnell tells a funny story about how they prepare the turkey for Thanksgiving. You know that little neck nub on the end of the turkey? Ever prepared a turkey? You know the neck nub? Okay, so every year they they cut off the neck nub before they put the turkey in the pan. And they were like, well, why do you cut off the neck nub? You're like, I don't know. Grandma, you, or, you know, my mom did it. We go to mom. Mom, why did you cut off the neck nub? I don't know. Mom did it. And they went to great grandma. And she's like, because we didn't have a pan big enough <laughs> for the turkey. Yeah. And we had to sacrifice something. So we sacrificed the neck nub. Right? But like, gener- like it's this thing they pass down among the generations. Like, cut the, you know, thou shalt cut the neck nub. You know, and, and we, we do this, though, in our faith, which is why we really ought to just spend time with Jesus in the Bible and spend time with an authentic community of believers. And then you realize that we can look a whole lot of different ways, but have the same kind of spiritual uh, growth and transformation occurring in our hearts and minds together so that while we don't look like each other, we look like each other. I got to go down to Harrisonburg this, uh, this weekend. They, they're opening a new facility. They, get, they got this new building. God has exceeded everybody's expectations with the facility that they've got. It is, it is remarkable what God is doing in our Harrisonburg church. But we got to be down there and, you know, we're sitting here and we're like, these are our people. They believe the same way. They, 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 they express their faith in a similar way. They, they're walk, they have the same kind of values. They don't dress the same way because they live in Harrisonburg. I'm just kidding. I don't know what that means. They pretty much dressed the same way. I just wanted to see who was racist against people in Harrisonburg. By the way, I, I misuse the word racism all the time, right? 
Like, you can't be racist against Harrisonburg. But you can. It's just, it's a weird, funny, it's funny in my head. And then sometimes I say it and I'm like, it's not so funny. And now it's going to be on Facebook (laughs) forever. Probably in a meme. Don't do it, college students. So Jesus shows up in this locked room and he blows their mind. He blows their mind. Jesus meets his need. He answers his question. And Thomas makes a declaration that nobody had yet made. My Lord, my God. Lord being ruler, king, sovereign one. God being God, sovereign. The Alpha, the Omega, the creator of all things. He makes this declaration and he realizes something that, that, you know, maybe the other people realized it before. Maybe the other disciples had realized it. But it's recorded when Thomas said it. But we still call him Doubting Thomas. Now, the Bible doesn't call him Doubting Thomas. We do. Because culture is stupid. It's not stupid. Culture is important. But culture can pass down stupid things. Now, Thomas went on to carry the gospel to India and minister to Hindus and to a small Jewish community that had had grown up in India. He took the gospel there and he ended up being martyred for his faith, not because he was doubting, but because he believed with absolute certainty that Jesus was Lord and God. My challenge for us today is not to disbelieve anymore, but to believe. And it's to let our belief define us. To let our belief in Jesus Christ, that he died and rose from the dead and is seated at the right hand of God and that he's coming back, to be the thing that it it defines our expectations for our relationships, defines our expectations for our our resources, our finances, defines our expectations for for our vocation. What what are we doing with our life? And what should we be doing with our life? What does my career look like? Where should I, how should I live? If not just exactly where should I live? That he would be that, and that, that, that he would be the one that defines that for us. But we would live as those who believe, not as those who disbelieve. Oftentimes, uh, we believe on Sunday and then we disbelieve the rest of the week. We believe that God's going to move on Sunday when we're singing songs together and we're worshiping together and we're celebrating together, but then we disbelieve as soon as we get cut off in the parking lot. Right? We believe that we're changed and we're transformed and then all it takes is for, for an extra bill to come and then all of a sudden we disbelieve. The promise of God to provide is null and void when I got that high water bill. Uh, Mike Tyson has this saying, uh, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. (laughs) 
You know, because everybody wanted to take them out. And, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, that's cool. They can come at me any way they want. But basically, I'm going to knock them out. Get their eyes watering. <laughs> you know, everybody, everybody believes until they get punched in the mouth. My challenge to you, my encouragement to you is to encourage, is to believe even when you've been punched in the mouth. So if you get a bill this week, if you're believing God for a financial breakthrough or something else and you get a bill this week and it's higher than you expected, keep believing. If you're believing for a friend or a family member to come to faith in Jesus Christ and they go to the club and act a fool this week or, or you find out they're doing something careless or reckless, believe. If you have addiction in your own life or you've got things in your own life that you're trying to walk away from, a past that you're trying to get out of or a current that you're trying to get out of, but you find yourself pulled back towards that old thing, don't just, oh, I'm being pulled back to this old, the same thing. Don't disbelieve then, believe. That's what belief is for. Faith and trust and belief was built for that moment when it looks the opposite of what it's supposed to be. Not when it's easy to believe when you're not thinking about the thing. But when you can think greater thoughts about that thing. In terms of nicknames and everything else, aren't you glad that you aren't remembered by your weakest moments? Or by even your darkest moments? I used to wet the bed. Thank you. I was expecting somebody to snicker or laugh or something. Man, I was like, this is really deep. No, it's not that deep. I wet the bed like I peed on myself while I was sleeping. Don't judge me. You did stuff too that was weird or bad. Thank you. All right, see? All right. I'm so glad I'm not defined by that. Probably because you didn't know. Now I'm, now, now I'm defined by that. I knew I was taking a risk. That was actually in my notes. <laughs> I'm glad not to be defined by that. Amen. It was a season. Yeah. Just a se- it was a season, right? It was a season <laughs> that happened when I was younger, a little older than it was expected to happen, but it was a season and it st- I don't do it anymore. It used to happen. I was growing too fast and my body didn't grow. My brain was asleep because I was growing my bones and I don't do it anymore. <laughs> but uh, anyway, aren't you glad that you're not defined by the stuff that you, that you did when you were amateur? And for all of us, it's something different. But aren't you glad that you're not defined if you're in Jesus Christ for that thought you had last night when you wanted to choke someone out on the drive to church today? That you're not held captive by that thought? When we are in Christ, when we put our hope and our trust and our faith in him and in him alone for our salvation, for our transformation, for our eternity. He no longer regards us according to the old self, but according to the new self that is washed clean by his blood. Because the blood of Jesus is so thick. 
Does Jesus forget what we did? No, but it's like a, because he, he, he can't forget, right? He forgets, but he doesn't forget the way we forget. We forget because we don't, we don't remember. He forgets in that he doesn't remember the same way. But he, he knows. But we're not held captive to that because it's been satisfied. It's kind of like a, if we were to paint this wall, it's a big purple wall. If we were to paint it white and we put a coat of white over it, purple would still shine through, right? And it'd be really easy to look at it and be like, that wall used to be purple because I see purple pushing through. You put on enough paint, how long does it take to forget that that wall was purple? You know, the school painted the, uh, the, the roof above the entryway a couple of years ago, and most of you didn't notice because none of the old color was shining through to cue you that something else was there. That's how the blood of Jesus works. The blood of Jesus is so thick that it's that one covering over the coat so that it blocks out everything that was so that all that's seen is the purity, righteousness, and holiness of God. So when he looks at us, he doesn't say, oh, that, 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 was, that was a bedwetter. They see somebody who doesn't wet their bed. Just like you see somebody that doesn't wet his bed. <laughs> Just kidding. Because of the blood of Jesus, he doesn't see a former addict. He doesn't see a former blasphemer. He doesn't see a former adulterer. He doesn't see a former, you know, fill in the blank. What he sees is the blood of Jesus. What he sees is a son, a daughter. What he sees is righteousness and holiness. And so my challenge for you today is to believe, but don't believe just for yourself. Believe for the people in your life. Believe for the people in the community. Believe for the people in your workplace. Believe for the people that that you love and you desperately want to see them come to faith in Jesus Christ. And also believe for the people that you don't love and that you'd rather not them come to faith in Jesus Christ. Sounded really judgmental, but you've you've had that thought. That one where like, I'd really love them to come to Jesus, but I want them to suffer. (laughs) Just me? Thank God he doesn't see my darkness. Let's believe. Let's be the kind of people that live like Jesus is still alive. Because he is. Let's be the kind of people who live like we've had enough evidence because the evidence is all around us. If you need more evidence, talk to somebody and say, this is the evidence that I need. Sometimes God will meet that. Sometimes you'll get all the... Nobody ever gets all their questions answered. There's only a place where the questions that you have don't matter as much anymore. And you're willing to take that step. In Jesus Christ, God's made a way to have every other label, every other definition, every other uh, diagnosis that has been made over your life and has been spoken to you and written on, on the wall of your soul, wiped away and replaced with a new name, with the name of son, with the name of daughter, with the name of righteous and holy and pure, with the title of forgiven, 
the title of loved with a promise of everlasting life. God's ready to receive you today if you would receive him. Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your blood that covers a multitude of sins. Help us today, God, to come to belief, come to a place of trust in you. If there's anybody in here this morning and you've been in a place of disbelief or you've needed more information, but this morning you're ready to say, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus, to accept the evidence that he's given me as being true and trustworthy. Can you raise your hand so I can pray with you? for all of us who believe. Let us live in our belief this week. Help us to live a life of trust and love this week in accordance with your purposes in Jesus' name. Help us, God, to take this message of our belief and share it with those who we love so desperately need a touch from you as they wait for more information or more evidence or for a touch of grace. In Jesus' name, amen.